Hi, I'm Asher Miller. I'm Jason Bradford. And I'm Rob Dietz. Welcome to Crazy Town, where 75% of the town thinks the other 75% are lizard people. Today's topic is conspiracy theories and our susceptibility to them. And stay tuned for an insightful interview with reporter Tanya Basu. All right, so Rob and Jason. Hey, good hey. to see you. Good to see you too. We were talking previously about cognitive biases. Yeah. And I was thinking about confirmation bias. You know, confirmation bias is where basically you're looking for information that confirms a view you already have. Right. right? I see anything that mm. tells me I'm right, and uh, now I'm even more right. It feels so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wanted to challenge myself and say, well, wh- you know, what are my confirmation biases? What are the things that I believe in really strongly? And and have I really tested those? So I was, I was thinking... That's a good thing to do, by yeah. the way. <laughs> so one of the ones that, that I wanted to really think about and grapple with was my beliefs around energy. You know, we talk a lot about energy here on the podcast and at post Institute, obviously, it's like a kind of a core thing that we try to educate people about. Right, right. And so, you know, I wanted to ask myself a hard question, like, are my assumptions about kind of the energy predicament that we have, our reliance on fossil fuels, you know, just depleting, polluting energy source and the difficulty of transitioning away from them, is, is that really grounded in reality? And I have to admit something to you guys. I, I found some information to really test that assumption. What? And I want to share it with you because I think I that maybe... No, 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 Yes, it's the same thing. Right. Okay. So I'm going to play you something okay. Okay, that I came but across. I'm worried about hating myself after I learned that my, uh, well, look, my biases... We're together here. Okay. okay. We can get through this together. All right, it's let's, part of why I wanted to share it. All right, let's okay. take a risk. Let's, let's see this. Okay. So try to have a reaction to this thing. My name is Foster Gamble, and I have spent nearly a lifetime trying to figure out what happened. I found a code, a pattern in nature that's been embedded in arts and icons throughout the centuries. I believe that they're giving us a model for accessing energy in a clean, safe, limitless way that could completely revolutionize the way all people live. Right here in this toroid, we have enough energy to transform the entire Earth. And that's not just a theoretical statement, it's literally true. The energy is extracted from the fabric of the space around us, which means it cannot be metered. That is a direct threat to the single largest industry in the world, energy. The suppression of UFO phenomena is hand-in-hand with the suppression of so-called free energy. An elite group of people and the corporations they run have gained control over not just our energy, food supply, education, and health care but over virtually every aspect of our lives. Well, guys, I I think we can go home now. Uh, We can hang up this podcast because our work is done. Humans are going to thrive when the free energy starts rolling through. That just cracked my cosmic egg. So so obviously, you know, I was kidding when I shared this with you. What? I really wanted to go home now. (laughs) (laughs) But but I, I... I actually wanted to share it because I want to talk about another hidden driver. You know, this 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 season on on Crazy Town, we're exploring these hidden drivers of what brought us to Crazy Town, and I want to talk about one that this reminded me of. That is maybe not so hidden, uh, but I think the causes of it may be hidden and are important for us to understand. And that is the belief in conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah, that actually struck me watching that video. Is how good they were uh, at layering various conspiracy theories. You know, there's a podcast, so you're not going to see it, but you could see the eye from the dollar bill and the kind of idea of, of the Illuminati and, and all these... Everything is connected now. I see I see the patterns. I see what I couldn't see before. It makes sense now. Right, right. And, and the reason I wanted to, to, to bring that, there's no shortage of conspiracies we could talk about, and hopefully we'll get into, into some of them today. I but- can't wait. But I, the reason I want to bring that one up is that actually, when this film came out, okay, this is a film. This is from a film called Thrive, okay? Mm-hmm. And it came out 2012 or something like that. First of all, I'm very proud of how many views we've gotten on our on our videos on YouTube. You know, we've yeah, gotten the Post like, Carbon Institute. Yeah, Post Carbon Institute. Yeah, go to our, YouTube channel for Post Carbon Institute and... Uh, 
Our animation, 300, 300 years of fossil fuels in 300 seconds, you know, it's gotten probably close to 2 million views now. This film's probably gotten over 20 million views, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, and when it came out, there were people in our kind of camp who were sharing it. In fact, there was an organization, I'm not going to name them because I don't want to embarrass them, but a prominent organization in our space who included something about this in an email. They sent out a special email about this fucking film yeah. <laughs> that's spousing UFO conspiracy theories in free energy. They sent it out. And but I was it's like, got Tesla in it. What was that's going legit. on? No, it doesn't just have Tesla in it. It has Amy Goodman. It has, all, it has a number of people that are kind of like in this kind of broader tent that, that we're a part of. Yeah. Now, a lot of them didn't know what they were being filmed for. Right, they were right. upset they're, afterwards. They, they right. see what they've, they've been stitched into. Like They were just trying to give a yeah. decent interview about uh, energy. And, 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 and the amazing thing about the film, too, was that, just as an aside, they had this whole kind of resource area of like, what do we do? You know, kind of like call to action stuff. And we'll share it in the show notes. If you look at it, so much of the stuff that they're recommending are exactly the things that we're recommending. Wow. A relocalization, sustainable food systems, all these things. It's like the disconnect between sort of some of the worldview being aligned and then this crazy, crazy stuff about free energy and UFOs. And there have been people we've been contacted by who kind of believe in some of this stuff. Yeah. You know? Well, one thing that I want to do is throw some kudos your way. So when we planned this season, we came up with a, a set of hidden drivers that have led us into this this time we're experiencing here in Crazy Town. And this is going to hurt my hand as I pat yeah. me on the back. And you guys are socially distanced. I got to try to try to get there. Yeah. But we picked conspiracy theory as one of those hidden drivers, and we're recording this. We, we record our episodes well ahead of their release date. We're recording this the day after the siege on the U.S. Capitol, which was fueled in large part by conspiracy theory. So we did this last season, too. We talked about global trade and the insanity of travel uh, right ahead of the pandemic. And so I, I feel like we're... Uh, we're hitting the time well, right. So I, I just have to confess something. You're, you want to pat us on the back for getting the time right. I actually coordinated this with Trump. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah there's, a, oh. there's, some, there's a, actually a conspiracy there. Oh. Yeah, this is you not know. a theory. This is an actual conspiracy. Is George Soros involved in this as well? N not, not this one. Okay. Other ones that we've got going on. I didn't know you were so buddy-buddy with Trump. That's uh, Yeah, I oh. just thought you know this would be a win-win for both of us. Maybe well, not a thing for us to be joking about too yeah. much, right, is people... Uh, you know, invading. Hey, hey the, that's our shtick. We laugh at the darkest, worst stuff that's happening to humanity. That's ha ha! True. Isn't that funny? Ha ha ha! <laughs> well, we've you know, my wife's a physician, and it's it's fascinating right now with the year we've gone through. I remember in January a year ago, just being hyper alert to the pandemic, and just you know, I knew this tidal wave was coming, and I did not know though that we'd have this convergence of anti-mask and anti-vax, you know, <laughs> happening and that it culminating this time of year, right? Where there's still anti-mask folks are yelling around people and there's, and now like the public health people are worried about, are we going to get enough vaccines into people to actually get herd immunity? And, and it's, what's amazing though, is it's sort of like conspiracy on the right and conspiracy on the left. You're talking so conspiracy theory on yes, the right and conspiracy, conspiracy theory, theory on the left. Yes, right? yes. That's important. <laughs> yes. Let's define this. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we definitely want to keep uh, uh, straight on. There are actual conspiracies that happen out there, but there are actual conspiracy theories that are not happening as well. How do you tell them apart? <laughs> well, and I also want to be careful, too, because... Uh, I don't know, maybe we can step this back and actually just define them for sure. our listeners. let's do that, yeah. So a conspiracy is when uh, two or more people get together and they design some way to achieve their nefarious purposes, often illegal or, or at least unethical. And it's, right? not, it's not transparent, right? It's a... It's secret. It's yeah. a secret, yeah. secret thing. Like a hidden driver. Right. <laughs> Which is distinguished from a conspiracy theory, right? And that is a theory that people come up with to explain something that they've, that they've seen, which ascribes a, a conspiracy as a sor source for that thing. And 
those theories could be grounded in reality. Those theories could be not grounded. Yeah, some in conspiracy theories could turn out to be actually descriptive of a real conspiracy. Right. That's or rare. Partially true. They've got elements of reality yeah. in them that kind of hide the the nutty connection that's made. Right. And I, I got to say, when I started thinking about this, I was having some trouble, honestly, in my own mind, with mixing up conspiracy theory and and maybe something that's even simpler, like a rumor. Right. Mm. I was thinking about, well, in my life, have I been uh, privy to some conspiracy theories? Uh, and and I thought about my high school days. So I went to this school where a, uh, a, a couple stories went around about masturbation and people uh, <laughs> masturbating in school. And one of them even uh, was called the, the incident of the hamster baiter. I don't, I don't want to know. Yeah, I don't want to explain what that was. <laughs> okay, but but I was I was trying to think about it. Was is this a conspiracy theory? And I don't think it was. I think it was just a rumor and a story that was passed around. You, you know, if the difference would be if that story was made up by a bunch of students who wanted to shame or embarrass a specific person. Did the hamsters person. get hurt? <laughs> let's let's put the hamsters out of mind right now. We don't want PETA raiding this this podcast I mean, studio. Are they okay now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No hamsters were injured in okay. the filming of this. <laughs> Those would be the oldest hamsters in in history by the way cuz that that was a while ago. Yes. Right? The, that Rob yeah. was in high school. Yeah, and I hope that that wasn't filmed. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so that, I, I think it's just important to try to keep straight what we're talking about with a conspiracy theory. Okay. So I, I appreciate you giving us that definition. I, I think it's also important to to recognize that conspiracies aren't new. I mean, we're t- here we are talking about the timeliness of them. And I think we... You know, I want to get into that and what's happening with conspiracies now, but conspiracy cons- theories now. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're doing it again. I'm doing it again. Yeah. Actually, both. Right. right? Yeah. Both. Yeah. So, conspiracy theories are not new. And I think we could look at examples from history. One that, that hits close to home for me and my people is the the conspiracy theory of the the protocols of the elders of Zion. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. That was uh, well. It sounds really important, and it's yeah. got to be yeah. real. I mean, the so protocols. The, can you list the, the protocols, please? <laughs> I, I know them by heart. Yeah. Actually, you know, <laughs> the conspiracy theory is that there's a there's a cabal of these Jewish leaders originated in in Russia, and this this belief that there's this kind of cabal of these powerful Jewish interests who had these grand machinations to, to control everything in the in the world. It's something that's persisted for actually a really long time, for centuries. And now you're the executive director yes. of Post-Carbon Institute. Yeah. Which, if you look mm. up the formal name, it's actually the Post-Carbon Institute of the Elders of Zion with <laughs> protocols for yeah. running the cabal. Yeah, he's in charge. <laughs> yep. He's in charge. Too long of an acronym. But... Um, <laughs> We had all kinds of people spreading this. We had uh, Ford was was spreading that. I mean, he was actually sending copies of this. Ford, you know, the uh, the automaker? Henry Ford, yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, cars and, and Jewish cabals. People are still putting this stuff out. And, you know, there are different forms of that that takes, you know, with conspiracies about the Rothschild, conspiracy theories about the Rothschilds and, and other things. There's also, you know, one that that persisted for centuries that was actually deadly to Jews, which was this idea that there was a kind of a, this blood libel that Jews would uh, would grab Christian children on Passover and drink their blood. You know, <laughs> oh my and gosh. these were things that so Easter was always a very scary time for Jews in Europe because it was a time where like this was fomented. This uh, this yeah. conspiracy theory was fomented by the church. All right. Well, is this, it, it kind of reminds me of some of the QAnon crap going on now. Sure. Yeah. Ah, it's all connected, you see? <laughs> well, I, I uh, yeah, it's been going on a long time. And I remember this one instance when I was a young college freshman. This was like my first class, American, what was it called? Um, American Studies. Wow, that's pretty broad. It was a cool class. And yeah. I, I, I was a general education class. There was like 100 people in it. And you come to this room and this professor with a bow tie gets up there and he decides the first day of class he's going he's gonna to do a roll call. See who, who's here, you know, just want to say hi, get your name out. Never happens in college courses usually, but he went through it. He goes, Jason Bradford? You know, I'm like, yeah, raise my hand. He goes, you wouldn't happen to be related to the Mayflower, Bradford. I'm like, well, actually I am. He goes, oh, great. <laughs> You're uh your ancestors uh, burned witches. And then the, the class kind of chuckles and laughs, and he goes, hey, settle down now. 
it was your ancestors that they burned. Oh. <laughs> what? Yeah, that was pretty funny. Now get them. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Pile on. You ran yeah. out of there very fast. Yeah, yeah, now I'm going to hand out something to each of you. These are these are blow dart guns. You don't get one, Mr. Bradford, but everyone else. <laughs> yeah, run, run. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I, I hadn't really known much about it, but of course, it's this period where people are getting sick and, you know, stuff is going on and... They don't really know much about how the world works. This is this is a time when it was sort of folk knowledge, right? And I think what it was was just people searching for a way to find an explanation for stuff that was scary in their life, right? right. And so they just made up stories about these women and the poor women and tragedies happened. So, so you're saying they weren't actually conspiring to <laughs> cast spells that withered the crops. And, and this goes way back, especially oh, like targeting women. I mean, yeah. Rome, there was a conspiracy theory that women were poisoning people in Rome in like 311 or something like yeah. that, BC. And it was it was a disease uh-huh. that was ravaging right. the city, but they okay. didn't understand that. They didn't understand. Okay. I, I, there's a sort of unwritten rule in this podcast that, that, that my role is to bring us down to stupid stuff that doesn't really matter to anyone. So let me, let me just take on that role real quick here with a conspiracy theory that, uh, that I love. And it all goes back to, uh, of course, I guess this would be the 80s and 90s with David Stern, uh, who was the former commissioner of the NBA. Yeah. And I'm going to give you three conspiracy theories that, he's, that he's wrapped up in. Okay. One was the uh, draft, I believe, of 1984, where there was a clear number one college guy, Patrick Ewing. Oh, he yeah. was just dominating this you know, seven-foot crushing center who is agile and Georgetown yeah yeah and good yeah. shooter oh, I can't believe I so you know if you follow basketball of course you know Patrick Ewing and uh he's going to be the number one pick and the NBA has a lottery for the number one pick I think the top seven teams or something all get an envelope thrown into a, right this a is box. when they're doing envelopes yeah. instead of ping pong balls yeah. so <laughs> right. the conspiracy theory is we need to make the New York Knicks one of the most popular and biggest markets relevant again. So they got to get the number one pick. They're in the lottery. And the the theory is that they took the, the Knicks envelope and froze it, put it in a freezer ahead of time so that when David Stern reached in, he could find the cold one. Oh, that's brilliant. Pull that. And, and of course, the New York Knicks got the number one pick. The rest is history. And they had a very poor chance of getting it, too. I think... Uh, uh, maybe maybe that's not I don't know, but anyway, yeah. they they got the pick and uh, yeah, the rest is history. Now that's a conspiracy, not a conspiracy well, theory. You decide, <laughs> right? Like there, there's also the idea that David Stern and others in the NBA banned Michael Jordan the year right. that he went off to play baseball For because gambling. he was yeah. gambling, and they didn't want a whole like Pete Rose kind of incident to uh, yeah. to undermine the league. And and there's a third conspiracy theory around a famous playoff series that the the Los Angeles Lakers were were going up against the Sacramento Kings, okay? And Kings are this little market, oh, wonderful uh, series. Oh yeah, well, so the the Kings were having a, a great run. They were actually a threat, and I think it was in Game Six they there were all these fouls called, and they were all for the Lakers. So the the conspiracy theory is that the NBA wanted the big market team to win and to go on to the finals, and they could make a lot more money. So they they had the refs basically decide that game. Hey, follow the money, man. That little Illuminati symbol on the top of the bills, exactly. that'll tell you where to go. Well, that, I mean, that does bring up that, that issue. Like, sometimes it's pretty damn hard to, to decide. Is this a conspiracy theory, or is it... An actual conspiracy. Right. And in, in the case of, of basketball, there was a ref who was found to have been fixing games. Right? Yeah, Donaghy, right? That was yeah. A, yeah, he was like in the pocket of the uh, uh, the mob guys and you know right. doing the the like it that was what was amazing. He could he didn't you didn't have to determine the winner of the game, he just had to be the score mattered, right? right? So if I call this foul at the right time, this guy shoots his free throws and Yeah, and we've it. seen that with other sports. I mean scandals with, with FIFA and like, you know, all kinds of stuff, right? Um, yeah, my, my sport of tennis had some issues too. I'm very sorry to report. Yeah, I think no no sport except maybe curling has, has <laughs> although we'll probably find out there was just a great yeah. scandal with curling oh, right. one day. yeah the canadians oh devious yeah yeah with that smile they act so polite but, i know no one yeah. can tell yeah. yeah conspiracies all over in the in the great north so 
I just got to ask, why are we so stuck on conspiracy theory? Like, why do why are they so damn addictive? And 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 I want to know, like, are there more now than there used to be, or are there patterns to this historically? Well, I, I will say, Asher, you. You shared a really good article. I can't remember who the professors were that put it together, but we'll get that in the show notes. Mm. But they were talking about some of the evolutionary origins of yeah. of why we're so susceptible to conspiracy theory. And I thought it was really fascinating. It was all about kind of the idea of being falsely wrong about something versus, I guess it's best to just put it in an example. They're, they're talking about going back to Stone Age days. You're a tribe. You have a, another tribe that's outside of yours. And if you believe that tribe is coming to get you and you're super suspicious of them, it was really adaptive. Like you're more likely to survive even if you're wrong about them. It's better to be wrong about that tribe's intentions than it is to, to, to have not been suspicious. And then one day they come and they kill your family and you're dead. Right. Okay, so like so like nine out of ten outgroup tribes are not cannibals. <laughs> but one but of them w- could be. But one of them is. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. So you might well just keep keep your distance. Right, right. Yeah. And so uh, the idea is that it was it was actually an uh, adaptive thing to be ultra suspicious, to find these patterns wherever you could, and to uh, be really vigilant against it. I had not heard that, but I, I kind of think of it as, you know, the reasons are related sort of what I mentioned before with the Salem uh, witch trials and just witches in general whenever yeah, there's those a- are now the Bradford witch yeah, trials. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. I like to be uh, I like to be infamous. <laughs> but you know what it gives you is it gives you a, a an order and a, a way to answer why. And people really like like to know, even if it's not great, even if it's you know nefarious, they, at least they have some sense of control, and they can pr- make some sort of. They think they can make some sort of prediction, and and so that's an important need people have, you know, especially for when they're scared, right? And then I think the other thing is that it binds you to your group. If you all believe this this thing, then and you signal to each other you do, then that makes you kind of tight with those people. So it's sort of this need to be part of a group and benefit from those bonds. Yeah, and I think maybe that it's not even just being able to belong to a group. It's the 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 risk of being out of the group that leads people to go along to believe in things that they might otherwise rationally recognize is kind of bullshit. Right. You know yeah. I mean? right. Like yeah, that's a stronger in. motivator yeah. than you know, so you convince yourself that this thing is true, that this conspiracy theory is true, because the risk of being ostracized or, or pushed out of the group, mm-hmm. if you deny it. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked about that irrationality in, in the human mind, like how important it is to 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 have others affirm what, you, what you're yeah. saying. I also want to go back to what you pointed out, Jason, before about that idea of we want a simple explanation for something going on in the world that in this show we talk about how complex things are and how there's nuance to a lot of the events that we see around us. There there aren't necessarily these just super simple explanations, but for some reason we really crave those. And that's a that's a weird phenomenon to me. Like why why can't we just say yeah, it's pretty damn complex. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I mean, that's the thing for someone like me who's a scientist and really likes to understand reality and will work hard to try to understand reality. I don't, I, I just feel like it's laziness in some ways. Like for a lot of people, they they just want an answer. They want it quick. It's easy. And I'm not necessarily blaming them for that because it is hard work to try to understand what, what's going on. Right. Oh my God, that's a that's a pain in the ass. And who has time? So I think these give people like these shortcuts, right? Yeah, I think there's also, I mean, just going back to some of the deep, maybe adaptive evolutionary traits that we have, you know, sort of as a species, I think as a species, we are pattern seeking. And that was an evolutionary adaptive trait. I mean, to be able to see patterns in nature was important and necessary for us, right? So you eat a poisonous mushroom, (laughs) you know, you 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 come across another one later, like, I'm not touching that thing. You see a pattern. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't exist, right? right. So we want to see and believe. We have a tendency to ascribe patterns to things that we see out there that may not be connected 
we we connect them to each other and, and create a narrative around them. Seeing that pattern, there's a couple of researchers. Can't remember their names. I think they're these Dutch researchers, and we'll we'll provide a link to this paper in the show notes there too. That also talked about a couple other things I thought were interesting. That has to do again with with us maybe uniquely as a species. One is what they were calling agency detection, and that is we have the cognitive ability to imagine what other people might be thinking. So we yeah. we can envision that they have some kind of agency, that they have some kind of motivation, intent, or whatever. Some of that might be mirroring our own. So if we have this maybe thoughts of wanting to form some kind of conspiracy or having a negative idea, we want to hurt somebody, we want to do something – we ascribe it to other people the same kind of tendency. Oh, that's right? projection. Yeah. Right. And yeah. another one they talked about is alliance detection. It comes back to what you were talking about, Rob, earlier, which is that we can also kind of in, in the abstract recognize that alliances can be formed outside of us. And those alliances can be – and by alliances, we mean groups of people. Yeah. So – they could be positive alliances. We're going to collaborate with this other city, this other tribe, this whatever, you know what I mean? But they could be also negative ones, right? So we had this tendency to believe there are alliances being formed out there. Right. Right. That may be a threat. And you combine that with this agency right. detection. We have these, sometimes these these devious thoughts in our own minds, we're going to ascribe those to other people. You combine those things, and then you combine that with pattern-seeking you know, it's no wonder we start believing yeah. in conspiracy. I kind of did, did sense there was an alliance between you, Asher, and you, Jason, mm. against me here. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you and, saw right through it. Yeah. Right? I mean, the patterns are, are, are... Well, we should stop passing notes to each other mm-hmm. while we're recording. Did this. you notice I gave him less coffee than I gave I, you? I did. Yeah. I noticed that, too. And there were mushrooms in it as well. <laughs> <laughs> are they, so there may be then certain personality traits or predispositions psychologically that make people more susceptible, I'm guessing, then. Yeah. So that's interesting to think about. But, uh, you know, going back to this question of, like, is it happening more now... Mm. There's another study I found that I thought was really fascinating, and I really have to admire the work that these guys put into this, which is there's a group of researchers that went and collected all of these letters to the editor at the New York Times from 1890 to 2010, okay? Long period of time. And they went through about 100,000 letters uh, that were related to some kind of uh, espousing some sort of conspiracy theory, okay? And what they found was that these have kind of consistently happened over that period. So it's not like okay. it's new now, you know, and it's not necessarily worse now. In fact, they found that there are two in that period. And again, this was up until 2010. There are two kind of big spikes. One was around the turn of the of the 19th of the 20th century when there was a time of huge consolidation of of economic power and monopolies and all this stuff. Yeah. And the other was in the 1950s, you know, with the rise of the kind of the Red Scare and all that. So there are periods of great economic, either economic upheaval and uncertainty and, and people seeing that there were real bases of power that were happening. Right? When was yeah. Area 51 set up? That was in the 50s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, does, it makes me wonder if the prevalence of conspiracy theories actually kind of maybe lags slightly behind the prevalence of actual conspiracies. That's you know? an interesting <laughs> idea. Yeah. Almost like uh, yeah, uh, the predator-prey relationship or something. Right. Well, I want to turn to kind of the, the real heart of it. We, we talk about conspiracy theory as a hidden driver that's landed us in crazy town. And, and I want to I I hear what you guys have to say about this. I mean, crazy town as we're sort of thinking about or conceiving the idea, is a, a time where there are too many people consuming too much. We're undermining the life support systems of the planet. We're responding to it in crazy ways, like with uh, you see widespread inequality, you see authoritarian governments, you see uh, us just addressing the wrong stuff. We're not, we're not paying attention to what we should be. So how did conspiracy theory lend a hand in us arriving in this time? Yeah, what, I mean, what, what do you what do you think, Jason? Well, I think it has to do in some ways with chasing our own tails. So to think about this, like if if there's if there's a conspiracy theory 
that is telling us some simple narrative of why we're all something that we're something screwed up. Okay. Like the conditions of life are not what they should be, or we want them to be. And, oh my gosh, I'd like to do something about it. If all you've got is some conspiracy theory as, as your way of understanding what's going on with you, how are you going to actually make any change? You're just going to be spinning in a circle and not connecting any real dots, but finding these bizarre patterns. And so I think that they they just they they just screw up the ability for us or collectively to maybe actually go after the real conspiracy yeah, yeah. to solve real See, problems. You you make me think of uh, kind of modern stuff with the working class in the United States has taken a beating over the past few decades. Yeah, and instead of hey, let's work on real policy changes that uh, that give the working class their due and the you know, where you can aspire to have a a reasonable, comfortable life, instead of working on those policies and the institutions and the systems of, we'll just believe in, in, it's a a cabal of of pedophiles who are eating children that... uh, uh, Yeah. And all all the information's on Hunter Biden's laptop. Right. 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 And it's... It's brought us to crazy town in the sense that it has contributed to our inability to solve and address the systemic structural forces that that are driving us into basically off the off the cliff, right? Because we're like you said, we're chasing our tails. There are also, I think, actors out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna put out a conspiracy theory of my own here, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is that there there are actors out there who in a sense, want to maintain the status quo, who are either promulgating conspiracy theories themselves or are riding yeah. on the backs of them, right? So, for example, we've seen, you know, the, the conspiracy theory that climate change is a hoax, you know, that there's this, <laughs> it's, it's so laughable, there's this group of geeky academic, you know, (laughs) scientists and researchers who are all conspiring together to make up data and a whole theory of of atmospheric warming of the planet because then they get like grants or whatever. Well the the Chinese Communist Party, if you audit if you audit all the universities Mm-hmm. Right and and the climate scientists and their funding and you and you there's shell companies that the Chinese Communist Party is funding. Oh right, it's the Chinese. See, yeah. I heard it was Soros. Oh, but you think they're together on this? I think Soros is half Chinese. I think the Chinese are half Jewish. I, I thought Soros uh, was an alien planted here by the lizard people. Have you seen his tongue? Never. <laughs> he never shows his tongue, and that's why. Because he's a lizard person. Yes. Well, if you look closely, the way he blinks. So, <laughs> by the way, people. You don't necessarily want to go down this rabbit hole, but we didn't make that up. Okay? No, 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 no. Just, just go check out David Icke that, and Lizard People. But you're, you're right about that. Like there, uh, there is an exploitative group of people who will float conspiracy theories as part of an actual conspiracy to maintain their interests. I mean, that's the kind of stuff like Naomi Oreskes uh, wrote about the the oil companies, you know, trying to. Uh, they hire people to float these kind of ideas so that that distracts people and gets them off on the on the wrong way of thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, the podcast Drill did a good job of kind of going over a lot of that, the yeah. history of that. There's people who are actively promoting, maybe even creating and then promoting these conspiracy theories. There are others who I think have, let's say they've, they've, benefited on some level they they they're not active participants but they're they're somewhat passive well maybe i i think passive is being too kind yeah they're they're taking advantage of them in a different way which is a just a purely self-interest one it's it so for example think about facebook and in youtube mm-hmm. they have made billions of dollars playing on and basically spreading these conspiracy theories because it it creates a captive audience. It feeds something in people and uh so they feed them this content yeah. that that plays on this on these fears that they have and then they profit from it. So you're, yeah. you're you're making me think of all the good ads that must run on YouTube and Facebook in association with these conspiracy theories <laughs> like buy the new lizard detector 4000 you know and what's amazing about these things is like it's it's we don't even know what these people see because the the stuff that gets served to us 
is not necessarily stuff that oh, gets I get, to other I people. get your conspiracy oh, theories all the time, yeah. Asher. <laughs> That's right. I'm so sick of the damn UFO stuff. Could you just put a uh, put a put a little uh, pause on that? But you brought up, you know, Rob, that we are recording this the day after the U.S. Capitol was under siege by people who believe in a conspiracy theory that the president of the United States was espousing that this election was stolen from him. And the Republicans had been, on some level, you know, you could look at Trump and you could say he's been actively promoting a conspiracy theory. You have others who have been sort of tacitly turning, trying to look the other way and sort of, let's ride this thing out. You know what I mean? Because it is their base of people and it it gets it motivates them to to maybe support their party so yeah. that they can stay in political power. You know? I know, and it was what's crazy crazy about the crazy making is you know you imagine you imagine progress, you imagine the scientific method, you imagine you don't have to imagine it; those things happened, right? <laughs> okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> no, that's a that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> but I just like. I mean, isn't the promise that we learn and that there's like encyclopedias and then there's, you know, there's there's colleges set up and there's literacy rises, like people can read now and and they're taught epistemological thinking. So now we actually know about viruses and bacteria. We don't have to say we, it's witches. We don't witches, have to burn the witches. Right? Exactly. Okay. You think, what the hell is the Bradford family going to do now? <laughs> it's not like... There's there was the there was the so-called age of reason, right? Where where it was okay to say the earth is not the center of the universe and we revolved around the sun and we broke the bond between the, the, the church telling us everything and literal interpretations of religious text. Didn't we move beyond that? I don't know. I don't know anymore. I, I think the answer is uh some have and some have definitely not. You know? uh, yeah, I, I would I would say we have in some ways and we haven't in others. And that includes all of us on yeah. some level. And I think that's important not to be so arrogant to think you're no longer susceptible to conspiracy theory just because you went to college. Yeah. That's why I brought up people who are our followers and supporters yeah. of Post Carbon Institute sending us stuff. No, there's like plenty of well educated people you know, like, who. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Well, I think a big takeaway in this for me is it was interesting as share to hear kind of the history that conspiracy theory have the theories have been with us it's a it's a human thing that may go back to evolutionary biology you know deep seated and still there's something more heavy about it now and i think it's the ease with which they're communicated and how that communication makes them sort of clingier and they, they can stick around. So, I mean, I, I just imagine like back in the day, if I were a peasant farmer in, in uh, medieval times and I had a conspiracy theory, you know, like I thought David Stern was rigging the, uh, the stone throwing <laughs> games or something, you know, I could yell across to the other guy working the field with me and uh, say, hey, He's he's rigging the stone throwing and uh, and how far would that thing spread and how how widely known would it be? It can uh, go a stone's throw. Yes, oh, boom. <laughs> yeah, take that. Yeah, how far could it spread and how quickly could it spread? Yeah, right. and today it's like you drop the little firecracker and it turns into a conflagration with the the ease with which we share information nowadays and the echo chambers. So it's very easy to share conspiracy theories now. It's also very easy to get locked in to these echo chambers that we have because of technology where that's all you hear. Yeah. And and it gets con- constantly reinforced. Yeah. And you started uh, t- talking today about confirmation bias and think about how that echo chamber just, boom, hits that confirmation bias over and over and over again. I got to say, it, it's it's scary. I mean, I think it, even though we can, we have to, I think, recognize and grapple with the fact that it's, it's, it's a driver that's somewhat deeply embedded within us, probably not going to get away from this, this tendency that we have in us as a species. It is a really scary time. And I think that people are playing with fire here. You know, it's like, it's, it's like Frankenstein put together this monster, you know, and now he can't control it anymore. The, the people who have actively 
or passively sat by while conspiracy theories have have been spreading because it might have served their interest in the near term. Yeah. They could get out of control. And I think we saw that with with Republicans, many of whom who had plans in Congress to object to the certification of of the the presidential election. Many of them did still object. Many of them did. Some of them pulled back because they got scared. But is the genie sort of out of the bottle? Has the train left the station? Yeah. Yeah. How many metaphors can we call it? I don't know. Has Pandora's box been opened? It's been is flung the cat open. out of the bag? Yes. I, <laughs> is I the was... rain falling on the plains in Spain? <laughs> <laughs> I was okay. I remember watching Joe Biden's speech and then seeing what Trump did afterwards, which was kind of pathetic, right? And and then I thought to myself, you know what? It's too late. It, I reminded of the movie uh, Fight Club, where the Ed Norton character eventually. Figured, I did. Spoiler alert! Not okay. everyone's seen that movie. Well, it's twenty freaking years old. Okay, I don't care. <laughs> it's probably okay? more. Okay. Yeah, where Ed Norton character figures out, oh no, I've created something horrible. Now they're you know, I'm not just we're not just beating each other up for fun. We're now now there's like terrorism happening, and he tries to rein it in, and they're like, oh no, we're not stopping. This is bigger than you. You've been corrupted. Right. And so I think. If Trump had gone on national television on the Oval Office and said, Dear Americans, I apologize. <laughs> um, I lost the election fair and square. We need to let so, this process... You need to not be so articulate. <laughs> I greatly, bigly lost this election. No, he would never say that. Right. No, he couldn't. I, I just barely lost. Right, right. But I'm telling you, at the, the point it's come to is that I don't even think that their dear leader could rein this in because if he were to say anything to try to back it off that was of any significance a new set of conspiracy oh, yeah. theories would emerge some really good ones and nullify it the antifas were pointing guns at his face when he made that speech right? or it's it's not really him it's a it's a fake you know, a fake fake video oh he's know. been replaced Deep by fake. one of those lizard yeah. people yes exactly. that's why you need the lizard detector 4000 <laughs> Stay tuned for our George Costanza Memorial Do the Opposite segment, where we discuss things we can do to get the hell out of crazy town. You don't have to just listen to the three of us blather on anymore. We've actually invited someone intelligent on the program to provide inspiration. Hey, in our ongoing shameless attempt to get more reviews out on iTunes, uh, this is a part where we share a a particularly good review. You guys want to hear it? Please. Sure. Okay. This is from Chaka Harta from uh, about a year ago. That's a great name. Chaka Harta says, Smart topical discussion with information about staying sane in our current era. Science, politics, psychology, business, government, and a healthy amount of irreverent humor throughout. Most importantly, the hosts seem to really know their stuff from working in the trenches on these issues for years. She didn't cover aliens. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. There, we we didn't have aliens in in the list of topics, um, but uh, I like the whole idea of working in the trenches. I've never seen either of you in a trench. Well, he, Jason's he's always wearing mud boots. I, mean, I, like, I do have a lot of muck boots, and I, I get I get out in the field, and it's muddy. And I dug a trench when I was in high school one time. Right. I had a temporary job. Right. I think you send other people into the trenches when necessary. You're you're like one of these evil congressional guys. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I'm not going to go fight. <laughs> well, that's really sweet, though. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad somebody likes our podcast. Yes, thank you, Chaka Harda, for that wonderful review. And please, if you like this show, get anything out of it, maybe a laugh here and there. Uh, go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and drop us uh, a review. Helps other people find it. Yep. Thanks. decision I've ever made in my entire life has been wrong. (laughs) My life is the complete opposite of everything I want it to be. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. (laughs) I think the very first thing we've got to do or don't do, do the, don't do the, get it straight. In doing the opposite, uh, when it comes to conspiracy theory is we've got to stop 
granting it more airtime. So obviously you don't retweet or repost or send out uh, conspiracy theory, but even... Wait, wait, what did we just do on this show then? (laughs) (laughs) We talked about conspiracy theory, but I think you, you also don't, you don't even debunk it. You know, because if you're if you're going out here uh, debunking, you're actually just still adding more fuel to the fire. And I think the studies have shown that engaging people on that logic level to debunk doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, because it's there's nothing logical about it, right? right. Yeah, it's um, it's, it reminds me of George Lakoff stuff. Basically, if you repeat the language of something to kind of push against it, what you've actually done is reinforce the right, original right. language. Don't think of an elephant, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I think another thing, and this this is really hard to do. I mean, I've never given birth to a child or a kidney stone. <laughs> Where are you going with yeah. this? But I'm thinking there are certain things that are very hard in life. Okay. Okay. And those might be two. And here's a third. And that is don't... Ah, ah God, I know. Because we've had so much fun in this show making fun of, questioning the intelligence. But we also kind of said that even smart people, like it's, you know, I want to let you know, very smart people can get wrapped up in these things. And so I think trying not to vilify anybody as stupid or evil, (laughs) even if that's what they are doing, a lot of these conspiracy theories hit you as maybe like, oh, you're a Democrat, so you're a satanic, you know, worshiping pedophile. You eat children. (laughs) And you eat children. That's pretty bad. But how do you then try to engage with somebody who has gone that far down the rabbit hole? It maybe it, it can be done. There are stories people have pulled out of this. I, and, I, you know, I, let's get back to the kidney stones because yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to find this really difficult not to hurl some insults right. <laughs> for you know for a sarcastic bastard like me. That's like what I do all day. I know. I'm like one of those uh, judges on the Muppet Show. So maybe you've got your tribe of people where you sit, sit there together and you mock all this stuff, and then right. you get it out of your system and you go out and. That might be people. a good way to think about. Oh, that, doing that's it. good. Process it, then extend the olive branch. And well, well, we wanted people to have a, a a path out. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just in their reinforced kind of. I have this sort of feeling, almost like, in in some ways, a smaller the the kind of tribe of people that believe in a in a certain conspiracy conspiracy theory is maybe the tighter the bonds are between them because they feel like they're outside of kind of the in-group of the majority or whatever. Like the Heaven's Gate cult or whatever. Yeah, right. right. Or the the Flat Earth Brigade at a conference must be a really tight group. Yeah. (laughs) So it's hard, it's probably hard to break into them, but the only way to help people break out of that is is through empathy Mm -hmm. and connection rather than, than ridicule. Um, I think that's a good one, even uh, so, if it's hard. So then I want the three of us to go to a Flat Earth conference and not make fun of How would anything we get there. there? <laughs> You're already making fun Sorry. of it. This is so hard. Uh, so it's impossible. I, Kidney stones. <laughs> I got one more, which is not actually, a, it's not a do the opposite sort of recommendation, at least not yet. But uh, it, it's, it's a question for me. This is in some ways even harder than what you just talked about, Jason. Oh, and that man. is, do we have to consider curtailing certain freedoms like in the freedom of speech and maybe even regulate online communities and discourse in order to stop the or reduce the spread of these conspiracy theories i'm deeply uncomfortable even raising that question because that way lies totalitarianism authoritarianism that that kind of censorship we've seen some of the social media companies doing that you know censoring speech and it's I would rather uh, us collectively as a, as a society to, to debate the va- you know debate this question than leave it up to these private interests. Right, to leave it to some bullshit corporate policy for uh, within a profit making firm. Exactly, yeah. whose yeah. motivations are not necessarily ours. But I think it's an important question to wrestle with. You know, we should have a conversation about it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, free speech is limited. You can't shout fire in a crowded theater. And I know in Germany they've had to they've clamped down in a sense. And it's not like it's a totally like a totalitarian society in any by yeah. any means. So maybe we do have to find some sort of middle ground that is reasonable. That's a hard thing. To yeah, think about. part part of me shudders at how crappy a job we would do with the regulations and what unintended consequences would flow off of that, right. which I think is, that's kind of the point you're making. This is a really tough thing to even 
like you said, you shudder to even ask the question. It's well, it's rough. I do think that there's there is ways of maybe regulating some of the stuff. Maybe maybe we agree upon certain limits. You know, like I think in Germany they have to do with. I mean, anything that espouses violence and crosses certain boundaries. Yeah. You know, it's it it's not saying you can't spread a conspiracy theory about the NBA, you know, tanking games or whatever. <laughs> you you know better I mean? not. That's that's one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe here's another one. Maybe we should come up with lots of great really benign innocuous pointless conspiracy theories and let people kind of yeah. obsess over those for a while. Yeah, you know? fill up the meme space. Exactly. Let's like bring back the Paul it. is dead stuff, but <laughs> with, you know, modern Cardi B is dead. Let's yeah. start that. Let's start that conspiracy theory. Let's, uh, yeah, let's get out there. This is, that's our new uh, meaning. You talk about meaning and purpose in life. Let's yeah. go float some conspiracy theories. <laughs> Tanya Basu is a senior reporter at MIT Technology Review and a former science editor at the Daily Beast. Tanya, welcome to Crazy Town. Thank you. So on this season of the podcast, we're talking about hidden drivers that are moving us to the precipice of environmental and social breakdown or are keeping us from acting collectively in ways that actually help. In this episode, Rob, Jason, and I talked about conspiracy theories and the influence that they and that kind of mindset have on where we've landed, which we like to call Crazy Town. So I'll be honest, I find it hard not to laugh or make fun of certain conspiracy theories that I hear about, like the lizard people. I could probably name like a dozen of these things that I I find sort of easy to laugh at or mock. But, you know, as we discussed on our episode, conspiracy theory mindsets aren't actually that irrational or that crazy considering the context of how we evolved as a species over the millennia. And it's also important, I think, to recognize that we're all prone to that kind of thinking. And I think that having that understanding can help us maybe have more empathy for people who have fallen down rabbit holes that are, some of them which are kind of dangerous, like the QAnon conspiracy theory, if we want to help people sort of get out of that. So you wrote what I thought was a really helpful piece called How to Talk to Conspiracy Theorists and Still Be Kind, which we've linked to in our show notes. So I wanted to just ask you if you could talk a little bit about what you've learned in writing that piece and what advice you would give to our listeners. Thank you. I think that conspiracy theorists, like you said, are often the subject of a lot of ridicule, and it often actually makes them burrow more into their conspiracy theories, which sort of defies the whole point of trying to talk them out of it. And so I think what I was thinking about, and this was last summer, I think I wrote this story. So this Mm -hmm. was before the elections, when QAnon was still actually becoming even bigger. I think a lot of people in the tech reporting world, we're really trying to figure out, well, okay, we're reporting on QAnon, but how do we talk ethically and responsibly about the fact that these conspiracy theories are, from an outside perspective, nuts, like you said, but also remembering that not only are we in a pandemic, so cutting off ties is very difficult, but the fact that these people are often our family, our friends, our neighbors, people we know and love and care about. And I think with respect to trying to identify the fact that this is insane a lot of times, but also being loving, that's really where the piece came from. Mm -hmm. And the most basic and simple piece of advice, which sounds very hoo-ha and sort of hippie is to just be loving and understanding of the fact that this is another human being who is most of the time, just as smart and just as educated as you, but has just a different set of facts that you have to deal with. And a lot of it is just a matter of patience and learning when to stop and give up if there has to be a point where you stop and give up. Mm -hmm. So there's no simple magical answer, not a single thing that somebody could say to somebody in their life. It's not, there's no quick fix here. It sounds like if we're talking about trying to bring people, you know, pull them out of that rabbit hole, let's say, that they went down? No, unfortunately not. My piece references a Reddit group called Change My Mind, where they basically challenge other people who might not agree with them to change their mind, as the Mm -hmm. subreddit's title is. And a lot of the insight I got from them was really interesting. People are willing to listen and 
often change their mind. And this goes for even the most radical conspiracy theorists. You even see this after the insurrection on January 6th. There are so many people who are sort of coming out of the the events and really reckoning with the fact that, you know, this QAnon coming is not necessarily real, that the elections are something that have, you know, passed on at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just coming to terms with these facts is one thing. And the people that I spoke to mentioned over and over again that being able to talk to people calmly and being like, okay, so you believe, for example, 5G is a way for, I don't know. To spread COVID? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, just being able to like go back to the facts. COVID is something that is passed, for example, by potentially sneezing and being within six feet of each other. Well, how does 5G fall into that? And just being open and curious about where these mm-hmm. facts come from, that person will usually figure out in their own telling of the story that something is not necessarily squaring up there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is just really simple conversation. Yeah, asking questions. And maybe maybe it's also asking, and you said, change my mind. Maybe it's going in and actually showing some openness to hearing kind of the rationale that they have, even if our mindset is like, this is nuts. I just suspect people can sniff that out. If you're going into it, trying to pretend that you have empathy or understanding or an openness, but you don't really, I think people probably sense that. Yeah. And I think that to your point, it's also taking a sense of openness on your part. So if you're someone who's dealing with a person who believes in conspiracy theorists or theories, to be open to the fact that this person is coming from somewhere where they're passionate and thinking that they're in a good ethical place. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just being willing to listen to them and trying to figure out where they've diverged. Yeah. I wonder if it's also maybe digging at what's actually the fear in the first place or the concern in the first place. For a lot of people, it seems like with the, with the whole QAnon election fraud thing, there's maybe a, a deep passion about their country and the, the fate of their country and democracy. Even though, in, you know, in my mind, they're acting against the will of the people if they're trying to deny a majority vote. But in their minds, they actually think that they're trying to preserve democracy. So maybe getting at the root of what is their motivation or their fear, which we probably have in common. That's a great way to put it. I think a lot of people are coming at this feeling actually really good foundations of thought. They're coming at it very ethically, and they believe that this is a democratic process that has been messed up. Right. I mean, I, on, on its face, that's that's actually a pretty legit thing to want to challenge. Yeah. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, I think that's part of the challenge here too. And I think we have to recognize in ourselves is that we could all f- fall for certain conspiracy theories. There are actually are conspiracies that exist that we've we've learned about later, the Gulf of Tonkin, the, you know, different things that have been done that were dishonest or something. Do you know what I mean? And so because there's always, there's sometimes a kernel of truth. There have been efforts to delegitimize or influence elections, irrespective of party, you could say. So there is something there that people are playing on, you know, that that is real and maybe acknowledging that is is helpful. I think the other thing, and I'd be curious what your take on this is, again, a lot of our audience and the people that, that we at Post Government Institute interface with are people that are deeply concerned about the climate crisis and sustainability issues very large and the planet and the fate of other species. And and what I've seen, and I'm I'm guilty of this too, is that sometimes our group can shame people who are not acting consistently with those values. And that shaming is actually counterproductive. You know what I mean? So when we shame somebody for driving a big SUV or we shame them for flying to Disneyland or whatever, on the one hand, it can make us crazy that, that we have this behavior that is kind of dangerous and, and collectively setting us on a dangerous path. But on the other hand, making people feel bad about these or making them feel like they are bad people because of these decisions they're making actually won't help us. And I wonder if that, if you feel like that might apply to some of these conspiracy theories as well. Especially in the past few years, there's been an extreme polarization of thought. And so there's often not necessarily 
an understanding that there is a middle ground before you can like sort of learn to be a better person. Just, I guess that is essentially what we're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. It often comes to black and white or right and wrong. And yeah. I think if you take it from the other perspective, if you were doing something where you were maybe not doing something that is considered good for the planet or for other people. And someone came up and said, you suck. (laughs) It's a pretty abrasive and it can often turn people even deeper into their practices. It's just like talking to a child often. And so I think a lot of what I've learned through my reporting on this piece was that there is an extent where some people actually stop talking to people and we're like, you know what, I make peace with the fact that you disagree with me. And the people that had these conspiracy theories would often come back within two or three weeks or whatever. I'm making that time frame up, but you know, mm-hmm. some period of time and say, you know, I've actually thought about what you said and I think that you're right, or I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And that often is extremely powerful to be able again, to show yourself if you're a conspiracy theorist believer, that something is wrong here and to come to that conclusion is far more powerful than having someone attack you and tell you you're wrong. Yeah. And often that just takes time and an understanding that this person will still be there for you, even if they're not on the same plane. Obviously, if it's not a violent conspiracy theory. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, a really key thing, which is being there for them if and when they're ready to sort of come out of where they've gone, because a lot of this, from my understanding, is there's a lot of group identity stuff that happens. And and especially, and this gets to my last question for you, which is around the role of technology, but people finding alignment with other people, especially in a time where we're all isolated. And if you're t- asking people to step away from a tribe that they've joined, they need to have something else to turn to. So to feel like you're there for them, if and when they're ready to, to come sort of back out of that, you know, otherwise they have no, nowhere to turn. Right. And so I think a lot of people stay where they are. Yeah. I think it's, it speaks to sort of a very natural human, human belief and need to belong, like you said. And so you're also right now seeing this with people who believed in like the QAnon rising and have seen that that's not the case, that they're, mm-hmm you know, joining support groups and people who mm-hmm. are just like them and coming out of this, you know, series of events and have something that they all share. So in the end, you just want to feel not like an outcast, but like someone understands you. And even if you're standing on the other side of that, of as someone who might not believe in a conspiracy theory that someone else believes in, it often just helps to know that you're on their side. And so my last question is is less about how to talk to people who believe in conspiracy theories and more just about, you write about technology. So I'm just curious, not what the answer is, but are you seeing a lot of conversation within the technology space about sort of reckoning with the role of social media in particular around fostering this kind of dynamic, the tribalism that we're seeing, the polarization that we're seeing, the bubbles of information that people are trapped in and in particularly how that's being balanced against the idea of, I know free speech on private platforms is a, is a tricky matter, but you know, giving people access to be able to share information or their beliefs. So I don't expect that there's an answer, but I'm hoping that you're, you're seeing that people are really wrestling with this because this issue I don't think is going to go away, right? Even if QAnon goes away. Yeah, people are definitely, that's the short answer of it, is people are wrestling with it. And I think that there's a real reckoning, not only among just the tech giants, but also people who use technology. I mean, you saw that with the huge influx of users to Parler. You saw that with the huge influx of users to Signal. Mm -hmm. People are really interested in privacy and the ability to express thoughts but not be harassed. And that's not something that has an easy answer to it. So there are a lot of platforms that are trying to address this. One that comes to my mind is Block Party by Tracy Chu, where she has developed an app to help block tweets that might be deemed harassment for people who might be women or minorities Mm. or just not necessarily a white male. But 
these sorts of apps and platforms are very limited in the power that they can wield and often are sometimes, you know, flagging a tweet that might be sarcastic, for example, right. as harassment. So, yeah, <laughs> tech, I think, in the end can only do so much, right, in terms mm-hmm. of trying to fix this. And I think there's just going to be a widespread sort of cultural reckoning to figure out yeah. what's next here. I just hope there's also a reckoning in that. You're right. There's only so much that tech can do now, but there's a lot that tech has done Mm, mm -hmm. to to kind of foster this. I'm thinking specifically about Facebook, and it sounds like from what my what I've read is that there was a push to try to encourage people to join groups, and that led a number of people. They're recommended to join QAnon groups and those kinds of things because they had the algorithm said that they're interested in kind of alternative police systems or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, technology, there's a double-edged sword with it always. But um, I'm glad to hear that people are at least grappling with this issue. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's also important to remember when you're saying the thing about the groups, there's mm-hmm. other also groups that, you know, created masks in the immediate aftermath right. of the pandemic. There are groups that, like, yeah. just come together during crises to help people, like in Texas, for example. Yeah. There's a positive aspect to this, too, that we don't want to lose. So that's a huge balancing act. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for for taking the time to talk about this. I really appreciate it, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Crazy Town. Yeah, if by some miracle you actually got something out of it, Please take a minute and give us a positive rating or leave a review at your preferred podcast app. And thanks to all our listeners, supporters, and volunteers. And special thanks to our producer, Melody Travers. Okay, guys. Hey, all of us here. We're all hooked on adrenochrome, right? Let's admit this. <laughs> adrenochrome. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that something real? I I'm I, I'm not going to admit it. I'll I don't admit even know it. what the hell. Oh yeah, you tell us tell us. No, 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 you go, Jason. Come well, on. adrenochrome is this amazing substance, and um, it's related to adrenaline, and you extract it from the pituitary glands of terrified children, <laughs> and it's part of the the hallucinogenic rituals that that we go through, and uh, it's very very powerful and necessary ingredient for the for our satanic rites, but I mean. I feel kind of like shit sometimes. I mean, it's it feels so good. It must be right. But then there's something pretty fucked up about having to sacrifice children and extract a pituitary oh, for this. Oh, you think? Like like eating pituitary glands of children like they're chewing gum? There's something wrong with that? Well, yeah. it's not just eating their pituitary glands. It's after they've been terrified. Yes. Oh, right. Yes. I mean, so, that's a tough job. It is a tough job to terrify a child like that. Well, you know, you know this, this is why I am so excited about today's sponsor, because there is now a way, a nice way, to get adrenochrome. And fortunately, nature has the answer. It's an all-natural, plant-based, completely vegan source from the rainforest of South America. And so I think I think this is it, guys. We I, can now... I hope it's sustainably sourced. You don't have to like grind up orangutans uh, or beat down uh, uh, jaguars or something to oh, get this. Guys, this is certified humane. It's fair trade. It's biodynamic. It's organic. It's well-crafted. <laughs> I mean, this is... This has got every freaking cert you can imagine to make you feel good about your adrenochrome. Wow. Okay. Well, you haven't even described how we get this stuff. Well, yeah, anyone with a credit card, okay? And this is coming directly from the shamans themselves. And so uh, it's Shamacrone. That's that's the brand name. <laughs> and you guys are going to love Just it. Just make sure you let them know that we, we sent you. Yeah, we get a little cut. Save the children. Oh, a little by the cut. Way. Not a cut to the children. No, no, no. And by the way, we didn't make a adrenochrome up. Just look it up, people. <laughs> Crazy town. Da, 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 da. Crazy town.